Well, if you're in commuter area of Ireland, like your Kildare, Wicklow, Mead, Loud, Westmeath and Leash, trying to buy a house, not good news on the front of the Irish Independent, because it says that first-time buyers in Dublin, commuter belt counties, will have fewer than 50 affordable homes delivered to them each year. These are new figures obtained by the Irish Independent, those counties which are described as under pressure, because a lot of people uh, obviously want to live there and commute into Dublin, because they may not be able to afford Dublin. But anyway... If they're living in those counties, you will gain only a tiny number of affordable purchase homes built between now until 2026. So they have some examples here. In Meath and Wicklow, just 30 affordable homes for each county are projected to be built a year. In Kildare and Louth, just 45 are expected to be erected in each county, while there will be only 8 affordable homes built in Leash and 15 in West Meath. And in further depressing news, uh, there will be fewer than 1,400 affordable homes delivered by the state in our cities each year. The vast majority over 1,000 will be in Dublin and then you go to the other big cities just 256 homes will be built in them over the next four years. So that's Cork, Limerick, Galway and Waterford. Uh, A housing policy analyst Mel Reynolds in the Irish Independent describing the targets set out in this plan as tiny. Now, big story on the front of the Irish Times, all cervical cancer samples from Irish women are being sent abroad for screening and that's important because promises were made in the aftermath of the cervical check controversy to beef up lab capacity at home. There's one Irish cervical screening lab that's based at the Coombe in Dublin, but the Irish Times says that that stopped processing samples last December after, I'm sure you remember, that big cyber attack on the HSE. So there's a lot about that. Uh, Traditionally, the Coombe had processed about 30,000 samples a year, about 10% of the total number of samples taken from women. The rest have been outsourced to private labs overseas, but now all cervical cancer samples are being sent abroad for testing. The other big story on the front of the Irish Times, of course, is about Northern Ireland and the future of the Stormont Assembly and the executive work will begin this morning to form a power-sharing government in the north following an Assembly election which returned Sinn Féin as the largest party. And watching the news last night, all the signs seem to be stalemate, 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 but you never know. Strange things happen in Northern Ireland politics. The Northern Secretary, Brandon Lewis, as we heard in the news, he's due to meet the leaders of the main Stormont parties today and he'll also speak with the Foreign Affairs Minister, Simon Coveney and the Irish, British and US governments have urged the North's political parties and it's fair to say in particular the DUP to help re-establish a functioning executive as soon as possible. Northern politics also on the front of the Irish Examiner, United Ireland poll not even on the radar because of course so many people straight away over the weekend going border poll, border poll, where are we with that? Do we need one? Convening a citizens' assembly on a border poll is not even on the radar, though, despite historic outcome of the Northern Ireland elections. Foreign Affairs Minister Simon Coveney shooting down any claims that the election results have brought a border poll closer, arguing that the balance between the nationalist vote and the unionist vote hasn't changed hugely. So there's more about that in the Irish Examiner. I also saw Piers Morgan tweeting yesterday that uh, he doesn't think that people in the UK really understand the importance of Sinn Féin's election success and lots of people tweeting him back and saying, well, hold on, there's not that much of a difference in seat numbers or whatever. The Irish Daily Mirror goes with Battle and Hum. The Irish Sun goes with 
All That You Can't Keeve Behind. These are very witty. And the Irish Daily Star, Pride in the Name of Kiev. This is, of course, the news that Bono and The Edge performed in Kiev for around 40 minutes yesterday, telling Ukraine it's fighting for all our freedom. And, you know, uh, you two have an awful lot of detractors, not least in their own country in Ireland. You can say what you want about them. There's a lot of you know, big music stars who haven't gone to Ukraine to perform or to rally people there. So uh, I suppose they have to be commended for doing that. And it seems we'll ask later, we're going to Ukraine uh, later here on Breakfast Briefing for the latest on the ground. We'll ask, did it have any impact you know, do Ukrainians care about Bono and the Edge performing? Now, obviously, we're all trying to uh, reduce the cost of living and save money. And there's some good examples in the Irish Independent this morning of ways you can do that. And it's all about boiling the kettle. And apparently, if you boil the kettle to make tea for two, when there's only one of you, it could cost you an extra €50 in wasted electricity. That's one of the startling calculations made by energy experts as fuel bills continue to rise. An energy advisor says while there are savings to be made by switching off completely, the bigger problem isn't ghostly appliances, but actually our ghastly habits. And it includes making tea for phantom guests. And I am so guilty of this, filling up the kettle, boiling it just for myself. Katie Harrington, who's an energy and climate awareness officer, has said that it's such ingrained behaviour that you fill up the kettle, boil it and then just pour it out for one. Other examples as well, lights on in empty rooms, TVs and satellite boxes left on standby, phones, games, consoles, Fitbits and electric toothbrushes permanently on charge. I do that as well the whole time, actually. Uh, And laptops, PCs, printers and monitors in sleep mode. They're all draining your power. So obviously that is costing us uh, an awful lot of money. But the first little change you could make is just put enough water in in the kettle for yourself. A lot of coverage last week in the papers of Brian Dowling and his husband uh, announcing that they are expecting a baby. We've the news now. It's in the Star and other papers that it's actually Brian Dowling's sister who is their surrogate mother and he's praised her for going above and beyond for them. And this story, it's really uh, exercising a lot of people for several reasons, not least because we probably need more surrogacy laws in this country. And this is an Irish couple and an Irish woman acting as surrogates. So yesterday, in a heartwarming post on Instagram, Brian posed with his husband and his sister, making the announcement that his sister is to make his and his husband's dreams of becoming parents a reality. If you're heading off on your holidays this summer and you have a dog, well, the warning in the Irish Independent is that you should seek kennel accommodation for your pets as soon as possible. The reason being there's a massive increase in demand for kennels, for boarding for your dogs, and it's led to a shortage of spaces. Uh, already many kennels and dog minders are turning away new customers because of demand pressure on their services. A lot of people obviously got dogs during lockdown and a lot of people are now travelling after lockdown. So uh, some kennels also closed because of rising insurance costs. All of these reasons mean that there's a spike in demand for existing places. So if you're heading off in July or August or whatever, get booking now. Someone says here, one of the experts, do it yesterday. So first thing this morning, go and book a space or, I don't know, ask someone to mind, who you trust to mind your pet for you. Big report about that in the Irish Independent. Also a big report in the Irish Independent this morning about how weddings are looking this year. 
and the Bridgerton effect with all its Regency flourishes is emerging as one of the biggest wedding trends of 2022. Obviously an awful lot of people getting married this year so they're looking at the biggest trends and we are told Tara Fay is one of those experts, wedding experts and she says there would normally be anything between 19 and 22,000 weddings a year. This will be 30,000 this year and maybe even more and Tara Fay has confirmed that everything is Bridgerton at the moment and it's going from those long dining tables hanging flowers the Bridgerton soundtrack is also very popular string quartets have made a resurgence and uh, the brides themselves seem to be going for these uh, Regency dresses there Regency style wedding dresses that's what you can look forward to if you're off to a wedding unless you're someone like me who's never seen Bridgerton and won't realise that it has anything to do with the big Netflix show now two food stories in the Telegraph to end our paper review this morning. The first is very interesting because obviously lots of people are vegan but also lots of people are vegetarian and in the Telegraph we're told that the poor vegetarians are being left behind because restaurants are dropping meat-free options like omelettes and quiche for vegan options that exclude dairy and eggs. And the chief executive of the Vegetarian Society said that vegetarians are feeling left behind and left out because obviously they might enjoy an omelette, but that contains eggs. That's taken off because I think some restaurants probably assume that vegans and vegetarians are the same or like the same food. And he said, this is Richard McElwain, chief executive of the society. He said in recent years, restaurants had neglected vegetarian options like Greek salad with feta and meat-free pies to serve fashionable vegan meats in dishes like uh, chili con carne or burgers. So there are more vegetarians than vegans, but vegans seem to be leading the way. Around 5 to 7% of people are vegetarian and 2 to 3% are vegan. So way more vegetarians, but they feel left behind. The other food story, I'm sure you've uh, been lying awake at night wondering what the Duchess of Cornwall, that being Camilla, eats. Well, now it's been revealed in the Telegraph. Her favourite childhood food was Findus, Fro- Findus frozen chicken pie, which I think was popular here too. Don't know about now. And her favourite treat now is beans on toast. Now, this is someone who's very, very wealthy and still loves beans on toast. She was asked for her favourite food and she said baked beans on toast, always Heinz. And uh, she did cook for her children growing up, she says, but wasn't a very good chef and always went for Finda's frozen chicken pie, much to her mother's despair when she was growing up. You can all rest easy now.